So welcome to another conversation and this particular conversation I've entitled as feeling your body move all about awareness in the way that we move and our connection to breath and movement and the person I'm going to have this conversation with is the lovely Christina Fulcher. Now we connected actually through work and supporting clients between us there seemed to be a little bit of a magic recipe when we work together on an individual bringing their awareness to how their movement could happen and it required a little bit of physical movement and a little bit of relaxing on the couch to be massaged and our friendship really grew from there and I have a deep respect for Christina particularly for her knowledge I'm somebody that can sit in Christina's company and just soak it up and listen and be like a sponge in her company but there's also another little bit that I'm really fascinated about and that is her entrepreneurship I have seen her entrepreneurship shine throughout the years as well and we'll get stuck into some of that and a really good sense of humor the great thing about my conversations with Christina is we always have this relatability you know me too and just giggling about the stuff that we you know you know that comes up in life so I'm going to start with the first question Christina and now it starts with physical movement and it's a big and beautiful part of what you do but can you tell me and ask the listeners about what actually connects you when you move? Um, I think for me always when I'm working with people, um, I have so much history. We all have so much history in our bodies, really. Um, our bodies are a picture of where we've been, what we've been through, injuries, surgeries, and everything else that's happened to our bodies. So for me, when I'm working with people on helping them move, it's about being able to relate to them, what's going on with um, their body. And I tend to have a real connection with that. When I'm working, I do a bit of um, hands-on work and I feel that connection. And then I'm looking at what's going on rather than what fits in a book in how they move. So if they are struggling with something and they've been told, well, this is it, so you should be able to do this, or this is it, so you can't do that. Whereas I'm gonna look at what they're actually doing rather mm -hmm. than the label it might have. So movement isn't just about doing an exercise or making a shape, it's about what that feels like, what the body feels uh, when it moves, what the connection is, the breath that takes us to that movement. Because people will say to me, oh, I, I can, I can do this or I can do that. And I go, oh, okay, let's have a look. Let's see what that looks like. Yeah. Um, what do you feel? What do you feel when you do that? Uh, then, then they're like, oh, um, I don't really know. Whereas I would always go, yeah, that feels connected. I feel so much more about my body. And I think that comes from a long history of movement, whether it be acrobatics, or dance, and then Pilates um, but I didn't feel that originally when I started Pilates I was all about the shapes as well I can go there's a big movement I can make <laughs> my leg go up there or I can make my back do this but actually what it feels like gives you an inner strength a power a support that allows it to look at ease in your body instead of force. Mm. Mm. And, and that might actually thread into the next question actually because I kind of want to ask because we've got 
you know, we're going to be talking about moving ultimately, and we're going to have people that can move, if you like, with ease. Like you say, they've said, yeah, I can do this, I can do that. May not have quite felt the movement, so there's a, a beautiful place to expand for them there. But there's also going to be people that struggle to move. Now, that could be they just can never quite get the energy for it. They just can't quite get into it or they're really all out and then they just suddenly stop. So there's not so much of the consistency. But do you have a quick way to change someone's state to see how moving can be seen in a different light to ensure that we're actually consistent with it? Yeah, I think a big part of that is our expectations and maybe society's expectations on what we consider a workout to be or a good period of movement. Yeah. You have to do this for 20 minutes and then that's really good for your body or you have to go for a run or for a walk. And for some people, that's just not a feasible thing. You know, whether yeah. I work with clients with a range of different movement uh, restrictions, as well as those who are fully able-bodied. And I think I've, I've come to definitely through my own restrictions when I've had surgeries on my body, um, we, we have a lot of expectations of ourselves mm. and that can be restrictive. I can't walk up the hill, so therefore I'm not going to do anything. So we have to focus on what we can do with the resources we have at that moment. What mm. am I capable of doing right now? Not for a period of time. Sometimes that might be, I can sit on this chair aware of my body and where it is in space and you know we can talk about that later with the breathing but with regards to that can I breathe in and exhale fully inhale fully exhale feel that connection of support in my body and then take it from there because sometimes mm. that being in your body is just connecting with what it feels like okay I can feel this support I can feel my connection I feel like doing something with that whether that's doing a little arm series of lifting your arms, extending your arms, connecting through flexing your spine, a little mm -hmm. bit of movement starting with what you are able to do in that moment and then building from there. I think if we set, I always say to my clients, right, I'm gonna give you this as homework. If yeah. you are inclined to do it, that's great. And, it, and it, you can tell the people who do go away and do it, but it's like one exercise or two exercises. And I have people who do everything every day like yeah I, I really felt the difference when I did that every day and of course consistency can can make a difference but it's one exercise what else can I do what else can I there's people like that and then there's people like yes I think that's brilliant because I know I can do this one exercise because if I say mm -hmm. right here's a little workout it's 20 30 minutes 40 minutes or, or longer people go yeah yeah okay I'm going to do that and then, life, you know, life is busy. There's maybe a few kids at home or you're working long hours and you think, well, I've got to allow a half an hour or 40 minutes to lie down on the floor and do the exercise. And for a lot of people, they will that will be a turn off. So if we start with five minutes, OK, I've got five minutes where I'm waiting for my dinner to cook in the oven. I can do that then. That's doable. So if we start from a point where we are, we have um not no goals because go goals are good but not setting our expectations so high that we're never going to be able to complete yeah and I guess actually asking people how would they like to feel 
on the other side of the movement practice could be quite powerful as well. Absolutely. They're not thinking about the feeling bit. They're thinking about maybe losing weight, the, the physical parts of, of moving and exercise. And I'd be able to, like you say, put my leg in the air or splits or something. Yeah. But actually, how do I want to feel? Because um, I know that for me, it's I love feeling light. Yes. After moving. There's a lightness. There's a fluidity. There's a flow. There's a expansiveness. There's a, a lift in my energy. And yes, that feeds into mood and things like that. But that feeling is... The lightness bit that's the bit I always seek when I move now I didn't used to <laughs> yes and I think that's really powerful isn't it because what you're alluding to is less stress and tension yes. in your body because yeah. the body's moved in a really functional way that's essentially what when we move with lightness when we move with ease when you see somebody do Pilates right that's what it looks like it looks like they're not really doing that much it looks like bringing their leg up in the air or they're just bringing their, <laughs> their head up off the floor and it looks easy because there's a lightness to the movement there's a, a feeling of ah, and we move rather than and we move because when we work yes. in a way you know I certainly come from a point where in my earlier years I would have gone for a little bit more force, you know, the, the, the no pain, no gain kind of thing, feel the burn kind of thing. And on a level, I guess there's still a, you know, when we're working really hard, the muscles do, you can feel them and it's, it's okay to feel <laughs> But there is a sense of, as I say to my clients when they leave, how do you feel? I feel better than when I came in, you know, if they're working with injuries or, or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But I, there's always this thing where, you allow your body to get there. Don't try and beat your body to getting there. Don't try and beat your body up to do it. Allow yes. your breath to lead you to the movement because then we allow the functional thing that our body does mm. to do its thing. And then we're working with our body instead of working against our body to force it like it's done something wrong, like that you shouldn't mm. do it. And I will want you to do this. And, and when I work with people, sorry, I've segued off here a little bit. Is that no, it's I, perfect. <laughs> I would always say, you know, allow your body to get you there. Don't mm. force it to, to make it do something because you won't feel it. You mask it by forcing. You're beating your body by engaging what I'd call the martyr muscles instead of allowing mm. your body to functionally get there. And oh, there's an ease to that. Never yes. easy, but there's an ease to that. <laughs> And I think I've seen it as well in massage where people have come in going, oh, yeah, I've just got this really quick neck or achy shoulder. And of course, that's the one thing they want me to work on. And I usually do something really annoying, like massage their big toe. And, it, and it's about like taking their attention away from like the problem, yes. because there can be so much attachment to that, the world yes. on their shoulders, all those kind of things. And sometimes just taking their brain away as to the furthest point that I can get, which is down to the feet to ground them into that. Yes, absolutely. And in addition, they tend to find, I did not know my legs were so tight. Yeah. I did not know that, you know, the, the muscle, you know, the back of my leg was going to uh, hurt so much, but yeah. I can see, oh, my, my lower back's moving better. It's just like, they, they start to this awareness that we often talk about you and I, that when we highlight the whole body rather than just the one sort of problem, let me just sort this problem out and look at the whole being it can be really quite powerful then they can feel yeah I think you know what we're talking about and, and what we have talked about is that that's the symptom this this 
mm. is a symptom it's not the problem and the problem can be like you said elsewhere it's like I have a client who often has neck stuff going on mm. and chronically because of postural issues um, that she's been working on for a long time but when I've worked on her feet she's like oh my neck's just released oh that was magic because the <laughs> feet are so important in the body yes. rounding the diaphragm of the foot and how they move all of those things people don't give them enough love but the fact that yeah. you mentioned it there it's so relevant I work with feet a lot a lot <laughs> Yeah, we've got over that. We've got over the phobia. We we just see feet. We feet, see feet is like a fascinating part. Absolutely, and and it's interesting because of my my history with my feet, having had surgery on both my feet, and then yeah. you know, aesthetically, my feet look a bit different. But I appreciate so much. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, how important they are. So important. Mm. Yeah, that's great. I'm really glad we got into that, actually. So you talked a little bit about your career and I, and I thought, oh, she's just going to flow into her career there. But you've had a really interesting career around movement and, you know, you've gone from a, a dancer to a knee injury in the middle of it all and then sort of Pilates out the other side. You know, can you talk us through your journey with movement from all of those sort of parts? So I, um, when I moved to New York um, and I started studying dance, I was doing quite a lot, you know, in terms of visa requirements in the States, you have to, you have to do a certain amount per, mm. I think it's per month or maybe per week, I can't remember now, but um, I was doing a mixture of dance and yoga and Pilates was all included in the curriculum. Yeah. And I had grown it growing up, always danced or done gymnastics, acrobatics, um, various different forms of movement. So movement was definitely always a part of what I had done. I was attending classes, but not actually dancing. It's a bit like having the mixture of your cake put all together in the bowl and then not putting it in the oven. It's, it was really tough. I, I mean, I was yes. 24, five maybe at the point, mm. at this point. And I wasn't able to dance because I was struggling so much with my knee. Um, but I was doing kind of the warm ups. I was doing yoga. I was doing Pilates for strengthening. And that's, I guess, when I really got into Pilates because I couldn't do what I was there to do. And um, at that age, I was still young and invincible in my mind. Of course, we all are. We're friends, right? <laughs> young and invincible. Absolutely. <laughs> Very frustrating because I couldn't actually do what I wanted to do and at that point um this was before I had surgery on my knee I remember um going to see somebody called Irene Dowd and she was quite she's quite well known in in um certainly in dance circles in 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 New York particularly in America she's she's written a lot of stuff on movement and I remember her saying to me your body won't sustain dancing for long periods of time so picture wow. you're in a show and you've got eight shows in a week, your body won't sustain it. Your knees aren't built to sustain that. And I remember being quite devastated at that point. Like, <sighs> and she said to me, followed it up with, but you know, you could design a uh, type of dance, a technique, that takes mm -hmm. that into account but of course at that age I was like no I just want to do what I'm doing I don't I, yeah. Yeah, I can't do that but as it turns out 
that journey in Pilates and, and really actually having to do, again, for my visa requirements, I had to, to, to still sustain the amount of classes I was supposed to do, injury or not. I was yeah. doing more Pilates. I was doing more yoga. And so through a period probably of about 18 months, I was taking okay. classes, Pilates classes I'm talking about, at least mm. three times a week and sometimes up to four or five times a week. And that, that consistency and being able to do, I mean, I wouldn't that be ideal if I could take that amount of classes now, but that, <laughs> being able to take that amount of classes as well as the yoga, as well as the other movement that I was able to do at that time was really where my, my journey of Pilates began because I went through all the frustrations that people do with Pilates. I thought I was strong. I was young. I forced a lot. I can get that bigger movement. I can, you know, bend my back in this way. I can reach my leg up forever. But actually being able to hold back a little bit, slow it down a little bit, because in, in lots of ways I kind of had to with my knee. Um, and then I was like, oh, now I feel this in my body. Now I get it and I want to share it. This is amazing. I really love doing this. And the strength that I would feel, you know, after a class, after a week of doing classes, that was something that was so different to anything else I'd done. But even at that stage, you know, at 24 or five, I mm. was still, you know, I did my teaching qualification probably about 18 months to two years after I'd started doing Pilates properly. Mm -hmm. I remember doing certain movements that I'd struggle with at the beginning and thinking that's the magic, that's the aha mm -hmm. moment, the mm -hmm. not focusing on where you want to go but the journey that takes you there, that mm -hmm. ability to connect and go I'm, this is where I need the work to be and I'm going to intend to engage that muscle support and then I'm going to work it rather than I want to be you know, for a roller, I want to be off the floor or in a teaser. I want to be able to sit with my legs up high because that's the visual. That's mm. like, that's nothing. If you don't have the connection, it doesn't matter what the visual looks like. Mm. So when I went and did my teacher training um, and I did that in New York, I, you do your teacher training, then you do your hours of um, teaching uh, mm. people who you can to get into the studio and then you do <laughs> um so you do it over a period of time and even when I first qualified as a teacher I think as everybody does you're not a teacher when you first got your qualification your your ability to teach and teach well happens through experience mm. and your ability to connect with people and understand what's going on with them so I had my surgery in New York and that definitely restricted me with what I was doing dance-wise. Yes. Even post-surgery, it took quite some time. I was doing um, physio for long, a long period mm. and it wasn't healing well and they weren't sure why. And when I told them I'd had both my feet operated on when I was 16, they were like, oh my goodness, both together wow, how long did you have physio for? I didn't yeah. have physio. We don't, we don't do that kind of thing in the UK. <laughs> and, and so, you know, historically, I look back mm. and go, of course, both yes. people did on when I was 16, 
then yes. you know my knee stuff that I have going on and consequently mm. had the other knee uh, I had surgery on maybe seven eight years ago now maybe a bit longer mm. yeah but there are definitely things I could have done differently but yeah. they it made me be who I am and where I am today yes but the surgery on my knee was definitely a key factor to my Pilates journey mm. and in that journey there's been um quiet periods should we say of Pilates um I haven't all <laughs> the time I've mm -hmm. done a few different things along the way I definitely had when I first qualified in New York like right I'm going to go out and teach I'm going to do it straight away I taught in the Hamptons a little bit in a couple of studios I taught um, going around to people's houses, which is quite interesting in New York. Uh, yes. Flat apartments, I should say, because space <laughs> is, is, you know, a little bit cramped sometimes. Cramped. <laughs> um, also taught in a pl few places that I rented. And all of them were really different, really, really different. But I guess probably as in most, te as most teachers do, when I first qualified, I wanted everybody to do everything mm. and get it and yes when I think of my journey I think well that's interesting isn't it because I certainly didn't I attended classes <laughs> for quite a period of time before I was like oh there we go I'm starting to feel the difference so my my teaching when I first qualified was quite stilted mm. let me come around and see you and then there'd be the person there go oh I've done that exercise what's next because <laughs> <laughs> and I'm trying to help a person who can't get it you know they they just don't understand what they need to do for their body so yeah, yeah I think that's the nature of when you first qualify doing anything mm. you're putting all of those things that you know into practice but it's marrying it with your own experience and I think that took me a little while it's like I didn't get it when I first did it you just have to keep that in mind that there's going to be a flow that mm. you're there's going to be some people who get it like that and that's just the way they learn and there's going to be some people that will be a little bit slower and the visualizations make a huge difference with that as well yeah for sure do you think pilates gave you a space to, or an outlet almost to harness the energy of being told you're perhaps not going to be a dancer as you first imagined do you think it gave you a place to start kind of well, okay, I can't do that, but actually if I nurture this and really get stuck into this, I could actually really become very good at this. Do you think it kind of... Yes, but not I, not that I realised. Mm. I think in those early years, and I got my, my first teaching qualification in 2004, and I'd had surgery on my knee uh, 2003, I think, maybe. Mm -hmm. So my my first qualification... I didn't understand at the time. I mean, I don't think, even now when I look back, I don't think there was a moment where I went, I'm going to have my own Pilates business. I'm going to teach full time. This is what I'm going to do. I, I never really set out to do that. I, even with my dancing, I don't know that I had this kind of path that I was mm. thinking, I'm going to do this for my, the rest of my life. I don't, yeah. I don't think I had that with either of these um, mm. movements. Mo yeah. You know, the fact that 
there was a point where I was going to be an actress and I had mm -hmm. my career path mapped out in that, like I was going to do this and then I was going to do that. And so yeah. with dance and, and Pilates, both movement based, the irony is that I've always moved, but I never mm -hmm. went, okay, well now Pilates Next. is going yeah. to be my career. <laughs> I went on to do my Pilates teacher training because I really felt that. I really connected with it and I wanted to share that. I was like, this makes so much sense. But I didn't go, I'm going to make a career of it. When I moved back from the US, I mm. had a bit of a limbo, like, where am I going to go? I was in the UK for a period of time. Mm -hmm. And then for a year, actually. And then I moved to Sydney in Australia. And I said, yeah. right, well, that's it. I'm only going to teach Pilates and I'm going to like make something, you know, and, and doing anything like that takes time. You have to build up to find your client base to do that, you know, move to the other side of the world and to do that. And yeah. I had a year visa at the time. Yes. In, in all in like a short period of time. Mm was probably a bit naive, you know, and, and looking back on it, it really was, you know, I should have done what I ended up doing right before I moved back was temp. And so I had money coming in yeah. because I started working in a studio, a lovely little studio um, near um, Bondi Beach. And yeah. um, I did do, I did classes, I did do one-to-ones, but it wasn't enough to sustain me at all. Mm. Um, and I started spending my savings and I was struggling a little bit with being mm. so far away like one long-haul flight when I lived in the US was was fine but two long-haul flights and as it turned out you know there was a lot of stuff that went on with my family that year and my two of my brothers got married and then there was illness in mm. the family and that was the then the key to me coming back I thought yeah. I, I'm just too far away but I'm glad I did it again there was a six month period of me quite honestly struggling a lot financially because I wasn't working enough mm. um, doing Pilates, teaching Pilates. And then I ended up temping at the end and actually having money come in. And I thought, why didn't I do this to start with? <laughs> why did I do it? Always in hindsight. <laughs> stubbornness to me, I guess. And I, this isn't quite as much. I think I've learned a lot from those experiences. Yeah where I was like, no, I'm only going to do this and this is how it is. Um, so now, you know, in my, <laughs> in my 40s now, I think I wouldn't, I mean, there's lots of other things to consider, but I certainly wouldn't move somewhere, obviously have my son to consider, but I wouldn't move somewhere and go, I'm only going to teach Pilates. It's, it's oh, a yeah. difficult thing to set up a client base. I know I've been doing what I've been doing for a long time. You know, it's been 20 years. Yes. And my studio in Norwich and my history in Norwich, my teaching period in Norwich is long. So I have a yeah. very loyal client base, thankfully, mm. through lots of ups and downs that everybody's been through in the last few years and before that, really yeah. loyal client base. But yeah. I did not in Australia. So coming back and going, right, well, what am I going to do now? Mm. <laughs> what am I going to do now? Not intending to stay in Norwich. Yeah. And maybe this is the way, this is why it worked for me because I didn't intend to stay in Norwich. I was coming mm. back with a pause. 
Where do I go from here? Teaching through word of mouth, friends first. And um, I was staying with my parents. They had a wooden cabin in their back garden, which became my teaching space. So I did one-to-one clients there. I started writing to the gyms and saying, well, here I am. I can teach. And then there was a point where I was teaching in most of the gyms in Norwich, doing one-to-ones. I was like, oh, okay, I've got a little bit, you know, this is quite okay. But there was no pressure of Mm. I'm renting a space that you have to take that into account. Of course, I'm renting a space. I'm putting money out. I'm not having people come in. How can I marry those two things? I was teaching at all of the gyms and I had one-to-one clients coming into my parents' space at the back where it was private. Mm. So that's kind of how it started in in Norwich. Um, And then I had, I rented my own space, my own house and had my Mm. home studio there. And again, it was a really organic way of growing it Mm. because I was still teaching at a lot of the gyms. And really, I would say not a huge amount of people came to me from the gyms at that time. Yeah. But my classes just grew organically. I didn't have the pressure mm. of having to go to rent the hall and pay for the hall. There was a period of time when I did hall rentals as well. But yeah. I certainly got to the point when I was working too much. I was working six days a week and teaching for over 50 hours in each week. So you know, in that pathway to that point, it seemed quite organic. I didn't feel like I forced it at any point, Mm. but I certainly never intended on staying in Norwich. (laughs) It does have a thing, you know, it does have a little hold and there is something so beautiful, you know, my, my 24 years in Norfolk, you know, it, it, yeah, the loyalty, the, you know, I guess commitment to support people um, locally is quite incredible. I know when I'm relocated to Sussex, I spent 11 months commuting to set up anything anywhere near close to what I had in Norfolk uh, in Sussex. And then we relocated. And I'm so glad I had that experience of trying to build something before relocating and moving just to check it was right, check that it was right for our family. And there's so many things to consider. You know, it's never like you said, it's who who who's my kind of network here. And, you know, all of the other parts are really important to being a human. Um, it's never just about the work, is it? And that's what we discover no. when we step into out of our comfort zones to some different locations. For sure, I think that you know when you when you have a family and you're considering, like before, I would have gone anywhere. What I what I do is very transferable. I could go anywhere in the world and teach Pilates. Yeah. In the way that I could go to a studio, like I did in in Sydney, you know, that that was a learning experience. But even you know now. if I could go and set up a studio somewhere else if I was so inclined to do so Mm. and it's transferable that's why one of the big things I really love about Pilates is Mm. in theory anywhere in the world you can go and you can take a Pilates class now they of course they can vary quite differently you know they (laughs) quite a lot and be quite different depending on who's teaching you but now with a family there are other things Mm. to consider is it right for my son is it right that we do this move is he going to be catered for in this new environment so yes yes, I think like you it's like you can take what you do anywhere but is it right for everybody in your family and that's yeah that comes with having a family Mm. and actually it gives you the gift that 
slow is okay as well that you know yeah when we're in our 20s you know maybe life does feel a bit fast and you know I I think now gosh I do everything so slowly now like my expectations of growth are, are just like paired right 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 back yeah. and it really feels like that's that's the moment of when the magic starts to happen is when you slow everything down but you breathe. see it as well <laughs> you can see it and you can appreciate it I think yeah. you're right and when you're younger it's like I want I want results I want to see it I want to keep going I want more like I, when yes. I was working 15 teaching 50 hours a week I was like I can't say no because this is my business and yes. I have a business that grew organically yes but I can't say no because I'm on my own I need to yes. keep saving I need to keep working and I need everybody to get the joy of Pilates and I've got a lot better at saying yes. so. <laughs> an element of you know being self-employed and being on my own with my son mm. that means that I still have to work I, I say no more but I'm mm. I still have to work on a balance for myself you know that, that that works because in in all of the picture yeah everybody else comes first yeah because that's yeah I mean I I do a, a nurturing caring thing I help people mm. find movement in their body perhaps that they've been struggling with or work with mm. an injury that they haven't been able to kind of get to the bottom of and then I'm looking after my son and his needs and so mm. in the pecking order, I tend to come bottom. Mm. And that's not a, a sympathy or a pity thing. That's just the way mm. I, I am as a person. Like, let me take mm. care of that. Let me, I'm organized. It's all fine. I've got everything taken care of. But coming mm. back to movement, myself, mm. and what mm. feels good about that and why I'm doing it. And feeling that pace, like you said, that, okay I can see it and it's going to be a period of time and it's okay that I can see <laughs> and I can feel it when you're talking about the slowness that works well with Pilates you know when I say to people yeah. slow down and you'll feel it <laughs> so there you go right slow down and, yeah. and you'll see it and then we move forward yeah it's funny you're making me reflect when I was younger like that, that's the other thing alongside all my career kind of things that I was buzzing about I was also kickboxing and and doing Thai bow and, and those kind of things. And I thought yoga, Pilates, and even walking was boring. So, <laughs> oh and that, whereas nowadays I'm totally happy to go for a walk and because of the slower pace. So do you think it's fair to say that Pilates perhaps comes in later life? Like you're, maybe the respect for it? Yes. I guess, I, I know that you've worked you know, with younger beings on the planet, but. I just wonder if there's just that when it really sets in is when you're able to go slower. Yes, in everything. Ab absolutely. I mean, I started Pilates, I guess, relatively early mm. in comparison. And I like yeah. you said, I have a client base that's very diverse. I have yeah. parents who bring teenagers to me for various reasons. Um, and I don't work with a lot of teenagers, but I do. And then I have people who are in their 80s. So there's a huge, huge demographic, but yes, I would say primarily. Mm. And if I look, if I'm, I'm not very good on social media, but if I look on my social media and who, who I'm appealing to, it's women yes. in their thirties and forties. Mm. That's my, yeah. that's my, 
not that I have to say, not that people come to me through social media, really. It's, it's uh, Norwich is, like we said, it's quite small, a lot of people <laughs> now, which is good. Yeah. Um, but yes, I think when you're in your 20s, as I said earlier, we, we think we're invincible and, and our bodies work mm. generally, unless you've had stuff going on with your body and you've come to Pilates for a reason where maybe injury has restricted or it's opened your eyes a little bit to the fact that you have to look after your body and looking after your body doesn't necessarily mean battering it and doing everything quickly and hard and, and making sure you feel it and not being able to walk the next day because you worked your muscles really hard mm. yeah I should say that you can do that in Pilates but without having <laughs> be forcing it that you can still work to feel your muscles a lot but um, the fact that you know in our 20s maybe we can be a bit like mm. this it's it's like this is what I want and this is how I'm going to get it and I'm going to force my body to do it and then you know I've, I've I've had clients come to me through their wife has said they should come or so mm -hmm. and so said they should come and what I find is that people unless you come to Pilates because you want to do Pilates mm. you won't stick with it because I've had people say to me oh yeah I tried Pilates it was a bit boring and I, in my head I think a you didn't go to the right teacher and b you weren't supposed <laughs> to take it in because it, it requires so much of this you can't focus on anything else if you're focusing mm -hmm. on what you're going to have for dinner when you get home or what you're going to do later that night you're not in it you're not there you're not doing Pilates because mm -hmm. it requires so much mind-body connection and mm -hmm. I have people say that to me all the time oh my gosh, you can't think about anything else. There's so much to think about. I'm like, okay, you're in the moment. You're here and you're thinking about it and that's good. But yeah. yes, I think generally in our 20s, we don't have that ability to go, oh, if I look after my body, I'll get much more from it. You know, I, <laughs> I'm a big believer. I know there's a book called The Body Keeps the Score. Yes. But your, your body does take so much and in your mm. 20s it's much more able to take so much so you can yes. bash it around maybe you take a bit of pain you know painkiller if it hurts a little bit just quiet it down shh, shh I need to get on with things it's fine but as you get older hopefully um mm. you have the realization actually if you nurture it and that can come in lots of forms and look after it mm. then your body will look after you and it sounds so cliche, doesn't it? If I look after mm. my body, look after, but it really matters. If I work mm. my body functionally well, and that comes down from nutrition, breathing, engaging the right muscle support, less force, getting enough sleep, all of the good things we know we all should do. Yeah. In an ideal world, we all would do. But if you look after your body, it will look after you. So I have a client who's going to be 80 mm -hmm. on the 15th of February. She doesn't look it. She, she, I have her do squats, lunges. All mm -hmm. part of her program is about keeping functional movement going. Yes. Getting yeah. down to the floor without using her hands on the floor. You know, things that if she fell down, she'd be able to get back up again. She wouldn't be stranded. And she's yeah. really, really wow. focused. She's been coming to me for quite some years now. And she's really focused. She lives on her own. Um, but you'd never look at her and say, mm -hmm. oh, she looks, you know, like, what, what age do you think she is? One of my clients said um, when she was asked, oh, late 60s? It's like, yeah, <laughs> we, 
There we go. If only so, she knew. <laughs> I think it's so relevant, isn't it? It's when you consider what your body does for you and, and really what it mm. takes in your lifetime. I think Pilates would be ideal to start to be started in the teenage years. Um, and mm. I've got a girls program called Because She Can, yes. um, which is about, um, uh, yes, about... Um, movement but it's also about the whole thing that comes with that about mm. how you use your body and how you know because it starts very early on with um, what we see in the press and what, what, what particularly girls are put pressure under about what they look like and what they should mm. look like but in terms of how you feel in your body and how you can use your breath and how you can use your movement your posture all of those things posturing in teenage years is that's what takes a real battering people mm. shrink girls shrink a little bit boys get that whole slouchy thing going on and I'm generalizing hugely but yeah it's making it accessible how can you make that accessible so I've got a girls mm. program um, boys are a little bit harder because they're a bit all too cool for school <laughs> <laughs> But it being able to plant little seeds ultimately that <laughs> yeah, will that, exactly. that will flourish. You know, I used I used to do that and I can build on something now on a memory. Like you talked about the, the body having memory. Yeah. Um if you can just plant a little seed, that body, the body won't forget it. Well it'll be able to no. reconnect with that later in life when it might be more appropriate. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's a big key factor is you know, I've always done movement. Um I've gone through being really conscious of my body on six foot. I was this height when I was 13 and that at the wow. time was something yeah. I was teased a lot for. I just wanted mm. to fit in with everybody. Pictures of me kind of through my teenage years are always me at the front bending down or me at the back of my head kind of popping over everybody else's. Um, yeah. But I've never been more comfortable in my height mm. than in the last 15, 20 years. I think moving mm. to New York was a big part of kind of finding myself as well. And, mm. and everybody celebrated and here you are, it's all, it's all good. But when I was yeah. 13 in this height, I was incredibly conscious of my height. And because it was made to be a big deal, all the boys were much shorter at that time. Mm. Um, at that age, I was, you know, I was very embarrassed about standing out. But mm. now it's something I celebrate. And of course, yes. this is all about I was just going to say that Pilates is almost giving you the, the absolute golden ticket to stand tall. Yeah, how you <laughs> use your muscles to support your body and yeah. your frame. That's it. Your frame is, is a big part of who you are. And I notice that in people. I notice the rounded shoulders that trying to make themselves smaller. And women particularly, particularly yeah. women. Men are all about kind of chest up. Women are like making themselves smaller I had a mm. lady cry on the mat because I had said to her this is where your pelvis needs to be think out and down mm. you can allow the width of your pelvis to be on the floor yeah it's like I feel it oh my gosh I feel that yeah and that's something oh, I that's giving me goose pimples that <laughs> I never I never thought about it and I yeah I guess unconsciously I do we narrow ourselves we shorten you know women lie with their knees together it kind of narrows the pelvis it uses the hip flex flexes mm -hmm. in a different way and I said just allow your pelvis to be out and down I put my hands on she's like oh, 
she said I feel really silly but I can feel my body on the floor and it's okay it's weird isn't it because maybe it's something that she never thought about she never thought Mm -hmm. I've got to make myself smaller but over a period of years that's what she was she'd done yes this is it the the unconsciousness of all of those things that you've just said is is and that is when you persevere with Pilates and you get that breakthrough because I guess the truth of the matter is you do have to have a little bit of a breakthrough to have the utmost respect for what you're doing and to justify what you're doing and to keep it up and to be consistent Mm -hmm. with it you've got to have that kind of breakthrough I I remember when I first connected with you on a a course of Pilates Mm -hmm. and it was you know post three babies and two miscarriages you know my my abdomen was my core was you know really not there and I remember after the first few I just kept saying to my partner I thought no feel I've got I've got I've got abs feel them I was like go on you know punch to the stomach I feel like I can take it (laughs) it was an amazing feeling like that connection that also something could almost because I always described it it felt like you knitted it back together again yes I think that's such a lovely way of putting it because postnatally yeah. or through history of of other stuff going on in the abdominal area it can mm-hmm. feel like I have people come into me all the time and say my abs don't work my abdominal muscles I don't know where they're gone and I'm always mm-hmm. like no, they're there because otherwise you'd fall down number one yes but also <laughs> just they've got out of the habit of working and in fact mm-hmm. generally in our body the abdominal muscles are quite lazy muscles the martyr muscles neck back shoulders hips they all do the work even in pain those mm. muscles will go, and the abdominal muscles go, hold oh, it, back off. <laughs> Relax. Exactly. Yeah. So the intention of, of what we do in practice is huge. It's a big, one of the core principles is my intention. Mm. So my support, my, I would always say in terms of that cycle of movement, we go, okay, breathe in exhale engage that muscle support how we work that muscle support intention of what we're going to do movement and movement is the last thing because if we go to movement straight off it's about the shape it's about what it looks mm. like it's not about yeah. the so I would mm. always say okay we're going to take the legs up off the floor I'm not looking to see if you can take your legs up off the floor ironic just asked you to do it I'm looking to see can you keep your spine and pelvis stabilized when you take your legs off yeah. because the movement challenges the support the movement challenges the balance and blood mm. is, is about balance and support not balance I can balance on my toes although that's a part of it but balance yeah. using your muscles in the right way the bony mm. structures in the right place supported by the right muscles rather than the force that we mm. would then use so knitting muscles back together especially postnatally I love working postnatally Mm. Um, because I think women have a renewed respect for their body sometimes um probably again society based and culture based right get back in shape and lose it all like oh you're pregnant I saw this um quote about how women's bodies are celebrated in pregnancy oh what lovely bump you have oh it's so nice. <laughs> um, isn't that lovely bump and then as soon as you have your baby Right, back to pre-baby, get back in your clothes, sit back in your clothes, because it's not celebrated Mm. anymore. It's done its job, off we go. And I think women can can have a renewed respect Mm. for their body 
of what it does. I think the body, women's bodies, I think bodies are generally fabulous, but I think women's bodies are absolutely amazing. They grow humans. And so, <laughs> isn't it? They grow humans. Women's bodies grow humans. And so when we're looking to get stronger postnatally mm. and knit those muscles back together, it's working from the inside out. It's not the yeah. aesthetic. The aesthetic will come in time if that's mm. what you're inclined for or want. Yes. It's about that feeling of um, strength, inner strength that I can do. I had a client say to me, I feel like I could deal with anything, not just physically. <laughs> I feel like I, and that's it, isn't it? It feels like I'm together. Yeah. I'm, I'm strong. Yeah. Not I'm strong, but I'm strong. Yeah. It's therefore yeah. I can deal with that. So I think that yeah, that's a nice phrase, knitting back together. But it's about renewing mm. the belief in your body as well in lots of ways, isn't it? Because it's, yeah. you know, certainly postnatally, I know, we again, we've segued into that postnatal uh, side of things. But I think postnatally, you can feel like you've done your job. Mm. The body's done the job. But actually, the body has to sustain you and your child. Mm. You know? as in looking after picking up and holding or feeding or whatever it is yes so it's it's so important that you find that strength inner strength and I don't mm. mean just about your core either yeah God, I'm just I'm getting a little bit excited here I'm feeling a little bit entrepreneurial like because I'm thinking what a gift Pilates is if if you are exposed to it early in life like when you think of how we all, men and women, struggle when they're growing up with their bodies and the changes their bodies go through. But pulling on something you said earlier about ha having respect and, and, and maybe that respect not coming until much later in life when it's gone through something and it's got through something like pregnancy is, is an example. Gosh, what a gift it would be to, you know, and you think yoga's done in schools, but you don't hear about Pilates in schools. But I appreciate as well what we've said about later in life. So I... I don't know, it just what a gift it would be to give your respect back to your body. I know, it's a hard one, really, because, you know, in those teenage years, especially, you can do, like, the girls' programme I have is 8 to 11 in terms of the age range that it covers. Mm. Um, teenage years are hard because that's when kids are trying to fit in. They're trying to be like everybody else, talking about, you know, my height at 13. I just wanted to yes. I didn't want to stand out. Mm because anything that made, makes you stand out was seen as a bad thing, the irony, right? Mm. Of course, now <laughs> I'm, right? I'm like, yay, I'm so um, And I have quite a few tall friends as well, so we, we celebrate that. But yes. I think in the teenage years, it's really hard to give that mind-body connection to your body. My experience of teaching teenagers, certainly in a class, if they come with a parent, is talking about bodies. Mm. embarrassing yeah. to them you know yeah. I'm saying about put your pelvis put your bum down on the floor relax your mm. chest you know it's chest and yes. pelvis is like oh, we don't talk about that that's how it feels in a class whereas mm. I'm talking about them in in an anatomical way about the weight balance yes. they're yeah they're a, it's it's just a difficult one in my experience to have that 
openness to being able to learn. Mm. But yes, I, you know, the earlier the better. I was in my 20s and people often say to me, oh, I wish I'd found Pilates earlier. I'm like, mm. you found Pilates when you needed to find it. Because yeah. at the point before in your 20s, if I'd said, right, come and lie down, we're going to start with breathing. You'd been like, oh, oh, <laughs> when does this finish? <laughs> No, I found Pilates incredibly frustrating when I first started because I thought I was strong. I mm. thought I was able to do physically anything because I kind of had done, you know, I played netball, I played basketball in yeah. school. I was able to do PE well-ish, you know, it's not something I ever went, right, well, I'm going to play sports at high level. My family will play tennis, racket sports was something I grew up around. So mm -hmm. when I did Pilates and I didn't get it straight away because I was forcing and holding my breath and holding tension on my shoulders, all of the things I did <laughs> about a lot, I found that frustrating. And frustrating, of course, can lead to more tension in those places, in your shoulders, holding your breath. Mm -hmm. I always say to people when they practice now, if you are practicing and you find you're getting frustrated, get up and walk away. Because mm -hmm. the more you carry that frustration, the harder it will be if we have high expectations of our body like I did it mm. last time or I did it just that time mm. before, why can't I do it now you're changing the cycle that your body's going through you're holding your breath in a different way because you're holding that tension generally we hold it around here and here so we're, you're holding weight in a different way in your body which means that you're going to tense in a different way so therefore mm. that exercise that you're kind of just on the cusp of getting gets a little bit further away yeah. yeah, I know for me when I've done yoga before and I've gone in thinking oh, I don't really feel like this yes. <laughs> oh, I've had the best class ever because my yeah. expectations weren't I didn't have any expectations when I've gone yeah. in I've gone oh last week was brilliant I had such a great class I'm going to build on that I did this great bend or I got my leg in a great position. I usually have the worst class ever. Worst class. <laughs> my body's going to perform for me on that day just doesn't get realized. Mm. And I say to people often, it's like, you know, you have to work, meet your body where it is on that day. Yeah. You, know, you might have had a crappy night's sleep. Yeah. You're, you might have walked into a cupboard. You might have something dropped on the <laughs> You might have had an argument with somebody. All of that will affect mm. how your body moves. So yeah. meet your body with where it is today. Don't yeah. focus on what anybody else is doing in the room. They're working with their body and that history of that body. So this is your time on the mat. And that, you know, when you're younger, is hard to take. But mm. it makes so much sense. Mm. They're doing what they can do with their body. I mean, you would never expect to get into a new car, a new flashy car, and my beat up car outside and expect them to do the same thing. And I don't mean that somebody's got a new great body that's all working and, a, and an older body that doesn't. It's just different cars. They do different things. And our bodies mm. are like that. You know, mm. when people look at me and go, oh, my gosh, you make it look so easy. <laughs> oh, and I, there's, there's two parts of that. I put a lot of work into it. I didn't yeah. find it easy to start with. It was really hard work. And I really wanted to be able to do it. So I held tension in my shoulders and I held my breath, all the things that people would do now when they come to me, first of all. And also I'm, I'm bendy and I have that, um, 
I have that genetically. My body does that. I did acrobatics when I was younger. I have a lot of flexibility, but there's drawbacks of that. You know, yes. there's drawbacks of being tight. There's drawbacks of being flexible. My muscle support yes. has to work to hold mm -hmm. my flexibility. Otherwise I have aches and pains. I have degeneration in my low back. I have shoulder mm -hmm. issues. And that's not uh, like, oh, I'm, you know, poor me, I've got all of these things going on. But we all have stuff that people don't know about. We all mm -hmm. have history in our body that will affect mm -hmm. us. So I would say be kind to yourself when you get on the mat or to do any form of exercise mm -hmm. and think what I'm doing right here and now is good enough.